0: Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good
1: Good morning, everybody. How can you store up treasure that lasts? That's the heading I've given to this passage from Jesus' teaching. Someone has famously said that this passage contains some of the most revolutionary teaching of Jesus, and some of the most neglected. That comment may excite you or it may scare you off. But don't be afraid. As we shall see, Jesus tells us these things because he loves us deeply and wants the very best for us. I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that right at the end. Jesus tells us these things because he loves us deeply and he wants the very best for us. Getting straight down to tin tax, he says, look, don't lay out for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, we know, don't we, that moths can destroy perfectly good and beautiful garments. Very frustrating. The word rust here is interesting. It literally means eating, and hence corrosion and rust. A few decades ago, motor vehicles were much more prone to rust than they are today, and the rust used to break out along the bottoms of the doors. Uh, those of you a bit old will remember that. Uh, hence the term Rust bucket. Oh, what a feeling? Rust bucket. But ro- sorry, moths and rust are just a sample of the thousands of things that can dis- spoil or destroy your treasured earthly possessions. Scientists have a term called entropy which is the tendency of all material things to kind of run down. Imagine a sandcastle on the beach slowly loses its shape and its height until it's just a bump on the sand. All material things, including those we treasure, are subject to decay and loss of their pristine perfection. This is all part of the eating. But as well as the eating, we have the thieving. Thieves break in and steal. Anyone who has anything of value knows the risk of someone else nicking it. Every night on the news, a car has been stolen and torched, perhaps two we use security alarms on our houses to try and prevent thieves breaking in and pinching our stuff. Scammers contact you every day trying to deprive you of your earthly treasure. And if you have money in the bank, well, a tiny little bit of interest they give you uh, goes no way to uh, allowing for the inflation that is eating away its value. Of course, you can buy shares and lose your wealth overnight. We do, though, have to make provision for ourselves by saving for time in need, such as our old age. Not sure when that starts. (laughs) But the key to what Jesus is talking about here is in the words laying up for yourselves treasure. To help us understand what that means, Jesus told a story about a rich man whose land produced an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what am I going to do? I've got no place to store my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my sheds and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus crops and grain." And I'll say to myself, mate, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said him, idiot. No, he didn't say that. He said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, says Jesus With those who store up things for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Hey, that's an interesting saying, isn't it? Rich toward God. I wonder what that means. So laying up for yourselves treasure on earth, according to God, is a fool's game. Because you're bound to lose in the end. Even if your earthly treasure doesn't decay you will decay. And the day you die, someone else stands to get your treasure. There's a saying, isn't there, that hearses don't have tow bars. So you can't hook a trailer on and take your stuff with you. King Solomon, he had a lot of stuff. But he had found out painfully The futility of striving to get a lot of possessions and wealth. And he says, I hated all the things that I'd worked for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my work into which I've poured my effort and skill under the sun. This is meaningless. Even the great king of Israel couldn't overcome this mortal problem. But, unfortunately, but fortunately, Jesus has a much better alternative for us. He says, rather, in verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Well, the principle that Jesus is commending is obvious, isn't it? Because everything in heaven is eternal and not subject to decay. No entropy, moths, rust, or thieves there. No thieves, trust me. But what does Jesus mean By treasure in heaven. Well, treasure in heaven, get this, treasure in heaven would have to be something that is treasured in heaven. True? Treasure in heaven would have to be something that's treasured in heaven. So stamp and teaspoon collections may not be treasured in heaven. Beautiful ball gowns, bulging muscles. Now, big egos. Definitely not. Fortunately, Jesus has given us some clear indications in his various teachings about what treasure in heaven is. A man once came to him wanting to know what he had to do To inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, well, obey God's commandments. He said, yeah, done that. Then Jesus looked at that young man and he loved him. And he said to him, mate, if you want to be perfect or complete, go sell your possessions Give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus is saying, and this is important for us to understand here and now, that what we do with what we have here in this life has a bearing on what we will have of true value in the kingdom of heaven. For example, if you have $10,000 and you use it to buy a boat and go fishing, you will end up with less treasure in heaven than if you have $10,000 and you use it to help starving children in Afghanistan. Now, don't get me wrong, Jesus is not against fishing. In fact, he was very good at it. And he did spend a lot of time in boats. But he's just giving us a heads up, an inside tip about how to store up real wealth that will last forever. But what is it that we are actually storing up in heaven. If we search the Bible to understand what treasure in heaven is, we discover in the Old Testament that God's treasure is his people. Moses tells Israel, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured Possession. In the New Testament, we are told by Peter, you, the people of God, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. God's people are very precious to him. And so St. Paul calls them God's glorious inheritance that is his treasure woe betide anyone who messes with God's treasured inheritance because precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints Putin take note Jesus warns whoever calls one of the causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were tied around his neck and he were cast into the sea. So what is treasure in heaven? The children of God. Jesus emphatically said that there is great joy in heaven, over one sinner who repents. So, to lead people to Christ and to send them off to heaven, from God's point of view, is to store up treasure in heaven. In fact, get this, this is the fundamental truth of the universe, the only treasure that passes from earth to heaven is the children of God. These are God's living treasures. Jesus then adds a further important point in verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In our fallen nature, our treasures are linked to our ego. True? My ambition, my abilities, my achievements, my new car, my new house, my gorgeous dress, even my beautiful children. Notice that what the heart treasures, the mind thinks about. And what the mind thinks about, the eyes look to. That's exactly why the king was in his counting house, counting out his money. (laughs) The queen was in the parlour eating bread and honey. When we care about something, we, in the English language, we say we look after it. We look after what we treasure. So there's a very close link between our treasure and our heart, and our eyes. And so in the next verse, Jesus continues this line of thinking by saying, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The word translated healthy or sound has a basic meaning of single. It's like the old song, I only have eyes for you. A single eye. Later in this chapter, in verse 33, Jesus urges us to have a single eye when he says, set your mind, and if you like your eye, on God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will look after themselves trouble for us is that today we live in an age of images most of them on screens and these are designed to capture our eyes our attention our heart That's because the world is constantly trying to draw your eyes away from the things of God and get them lusting after and looking after the treasures of this world. Because this is true, even as Christians, we can end up with double vision. Got an eye on God's kingdom and an eye on my earthly treasures. Interestingly, this same word, Greek word for healthy, is translated in other places in the New Testament to mean generous. We can draw these two meanings together and say that for Jesus... A healthy spiritual eye is one that is singly and continuously focused on the generosity of God. The early church always lovingly cared for the poor and the sick and the distressed, the helpless, those for whom no one else cared. At the time of a terrible persecution in Rome, the Roman authorities broke into a Christian church. They were after the treasures that they believed the church possessed. And the Roman, Roman commander burst in and he said to the deacon Laurentius, Show me your treasures at once. Laurentius calmly pointed to the widow's. And the orphans who were being fed, the sick who were being nursed, the poor whose needs were being supplied. These, he said, are the treasures of the church. These Christians had a healthy spiritual eye that was continually focused on the generosity of God. By contrast, Jesus says, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is telling us that if our heart is evil, it affects the way we see everything. He once said, From within, out of the heart of a person, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. If our heart is full of these dark evils, then our outlook the way we see things will truly be pitch dark. Finally, Jesus brings all this revealing truth to a head by saying in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, You cannot serve God and money. The Greek word for money, uh, mamona or mammon, means material wealth in general. The first thing for us to grasp in what Jesus is saying here is that none of us is our own master. Though we do like to think we are. The plain fact is, If God is not the Lord whom we serve, then something in the kingdom of this world will be our master. And we will wear ourselves out serving that master. This is called idolatry. The second truth which Jesus clearly and emphatically states is that No one, that is nobody at all, can serve two masters. If you have a divided loyalty, one of those loyalties will dominate and rule over the other. That rich young ruler who came to Jesus, wanting to know how to get to heaven, he felt that he loved God and obeyed his commandments. But when push came to shove, he chose his wealth over obeying and following Jesus. This wasn't a change for him. It had always been this way in his heart. The word for master is curios, meaning Lord. So Jesus is not have it talking about having two jobs and two employers. He's speaking of the relationship of a bond servant or slave to their Lord. A Lord who has absolute authority over them. In the case of a spy who is a double Agent working for both sides, if those authorities find out that their agent is working for the enemy, that spy is in big trouble and could end up dead. brother or sister, if you are playing a double game in which you are claiming to be a Christian with Jesus as your Lord but you are simultaneously going after other gods and idols in this material world you are playing a dangerous game and you could end up dead. Spiritually speaking. This is not smart. We started off with the comment that this passage contains some of the most revolutionary teachings of our Lord and yet some of the most neglected. And yet we have seen That everything that Jesus has said is self-evident. In fact, you could say it's as plain as the nose on your face. And yet, we are inclined to ignore these teachings of Jesus and to put them in the too hard basket. Or we may simply be deceived, as Jesus said, Uh, sorry, as St. Paul said, your thoughts will be led away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. But remember as I began, Jesus is telling us these things out of a deep love for us. When he met with the rich young ruler, Mark's gospel says that Jesus Looking at him, loved him. And he said, you lack one thing. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Jesus did not say that to everybody. But he said that to him because he could see the man's problem. The idolatry of his wealth. And yet, he loved him. Because he wanted God's best for him. And above all, because he wanted this young man to be set free, to be his disciple and to be with him constantly. What an honour. He could have ended up a big name in the New Testament. But sadly, the young man thought that he could do better for himself. And so he went away. And as far as we know, Jesus did not see him again. But then he says he went away sad, so who knows. But brother or sister, when Jesus... Looks at you and loves you, whatever he tells you to do, for goodness sake, do it. You'll be so glad you did. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that here in this life we can store up treasure in heaven. And Lord, may our heart be where the real treasure is. Help us to have a healthy eye that is full of generosity of God. And to have just one Lord who has looked at us and loved us and called us to follow him, to obey him and to be with him forever. These, Lord, are the things we really want. We ask for them in the name of Jesus. Oh, to you, Jesus, I surrender. All to you, I freely give. Worldly pleasure, all forsaken, in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my precious Saviour, I surrender all. Amen.